You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 265, Alicia Michelle and the Renewing of Your Mind. Wait till you hear about her. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I am so excited that you are here. Thank you so much for downloading however you found the show. That's that's fabulous. I'm glad that you're listening to this episode. I know you're going to be uh, finding something beneficial and helpful to you on your spiritual journey. That's what we talk about, the journey that we all take with God, the ups and the downs and everything in between because... That's what the Christian journey is like. Sometimes I say it is wider, deeper, and longer than you've probably been told, and I love that. Um, our guest today, uh, she's an author, Bible teacher, podcaster, and certified neuro coach. So we'll know, we'll hear all about that. Um, known as the mindset makeover coach. I love that. I've been working on mindset a lot lately, so I hope we get to dive into that. Our guest is Alicia Michelle. Alicia, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you are here as well. We met at Podcast Movement, right? Just a, a yes. six weeks ago now or so, yeah. uh, which is awesome. What did you love about that event? I love just being in person with so yeah. many other people who love podcasting. I think that was the, the best gift of all is just seeing some of these faces and meeting people that we had known online, but then seeing them in person and then hearing that passion from other people, but from all the different perspectives that podcasting represents. So it was great to just be there live and just to, to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I love about podcasting is it is a community of mm. people who we've all kind of gone through the same thing to try to figure out how podcasting works and right, how am I exactly. going to find my voice and what's my message and all those things. Yeah. And so we all have this sort of empathy toward each other, even, even when we have widely divergent podcast, right? Or just perspectives on the world, Yes, you know, and that's what I love. It's one thing I love about uh, Christian Podcasters Association where everyone has a gift. They all have a topic. You know, we met uh, Lori who had a, she's got a true crime podcast from a Christian perspective. Like what, how does that happen? Yeah, I know. It's so cool how God gives us all those different callings. But yeah, like you said, we all have that similar journey of like, how do I do this? And what is this kind of microphone that I need and all the different right. things. So it's fun. We all figured out. Well, I love that. And I want to hear all about uh, your journey. That's what we're here to do today. And I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, I gave that kind of broad, um, you know, picture of who you are, but tell us a little more about who you are and where God has you right now. Mm, okay. So right now there's of course all the different sides of who we are and who we represent. Um, professionally, I am a neuro coach, which means that I help women understand how to renew their minds using biblical truth and brain science. So I like connecting the two of those four women. I have courses and podcasts and all kinds of things like that, where I do that, but I'm also a mom of four. My oldest is 18. Um, I have one who is 16, another who's 13 and nine. So I am right in the thick of the teen years and raising kids. I've been married for over 20 years. We live in Southern California in um, kind of a rural area of San Diego. So we get to live close to the beach, but also kind of in mm -hmm. the country. So it's really, really awesome. And I just feel like every day God is challenging me to be more and more surrendered to him and to what he has and to be content with what is right now versus like not 
being afraid of what could be, but just living in what is and being grateful for that. So always growing in God, always trying to learn more about what does it mean for me to be his light at this moment mm. in this season that I'm in. Super powerful. And that's kind of the whole this is part of the journey, isn't it? Just figuring all that yeah. out, right? Love that. Yeah. I also love San Diego, by the way. That's such a great place to be. Oh, I can't, that's, yeah. That's, uh, I took a trip in April to San Diego just so I could go to Coronado Beach. And just, oh, okay. So Coronado is my favorite place in yes. San Diego by far. My husband and I, we go down there. I try to go down there like once every couple of months, at least just for the mm. day, just to go have breakfast right. or something. But it's like, you feel like you're on vacation, even though it's, it's technically it's, they call it an Island, but it's really, you could take a little bridge over and it's five minute drive over, but it's like, you feel like you're in a different world. So yeah, I yeah. love Coronado. Just, Yay. just beautiful. So I'm from Iowa, right? So, uh, you know, the beach is exotic. It doesn't matter, but that one is particularly great and has been ranked one of the best in the world. Right. So that's just so yes. everybody knows. anyway, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. So when you say San Diego, that's what I think of. Um, oh. love that. Okay. So you got, uh, we have a lot of other things in common. I think we talked about this four kids. I got four kids. We have been yeah. married 20 years, so that's good. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I want to hear more about your journey and kind of how you got here. I mean, you don't just turn into a neuro coach overnight. I bet that was a, was a journey of some sort. So we'll talk about that and uh and get into it where are you from california where where'd you grow up yeah i grew up in los angeles so i grew up about an hour north of the city um in santa clarita back when it was nothing right now it's definitely like a thousand times bigger than it was when i grew up there um so from southern california but i went to school in the midwest i went to the university of missouri and so i have a heart for other parts of the country <laughs> And I love the Midwest. Actually, I loved living in Missouri. It was fabulous. I love that we had seasons. This is actually, <laughs> we're recording this in fall. And this is the time of year that honestly, my heart hurts to be in San Diego because it's just, it's always 70 degrees here and beautiful weather. So it's like this time of year, I'm like, I want leaves changing. I want like rainstorms. I want that kind of stuff. And you just will never get that here. I mean, it'll kind of, we call it San Diego rain. Like it rains for overnight and it kind of is misty in the morning and that's lovely, but you know, we don't get a true fall and winter. So I miss some of that. But so I lived there for five years um, and was not going to come back to California. That was like, I'm living here. I was working in Kansas city at the time and God just started closing all of these doors in my life and ended up going back to LA and being back at my parents' house. And, um, within, I, I mean, I became a Christian when I had gone to college. So my world was completely different going back to my hometown as a believer now. And I ended up within a few months meeting the man who would be my husband. And there's a whole story behind that, but that whole journey, God bringing me back to California was pretty clear that I was to meet this person. And mm. we ended up uh, right before we got married, I ended up taking a job in San Diego. So we moved, I moved down here. He followed me after we got married, but yeah, so that's how our journey is. And who knows if we'll end up staying here or not, but for right now, this is where we're at is in San Diego. Yeah. I love that beautiful place. Okay. So what was it like for you growing up near Los Angeles and what was the kind of spiritual climate? Like, was it a Christian family? There's not really Christians in uh, California, are there? Oh, there's no Christians here. Are you kidding? No, that, that was course, a mid, that know, was a Midwest so, question. <laughs> I know, no, no, no. But it there's definitely a big Christian culture here. It's it's more quiet than and and less of a culture, I would say, than the Midwest. Oh. Like the Midwest Christianity is just like you, what you do. You go to church. It's just who you are. But if you if, you know, if you're definitely more set apart if you go to, to church here. But no, to answer your question, I did not grow up in a Christian home. 
My parents are wonderful people. They just um, have did not raise me in that way of going to church. And so I became a Christian through Campus Crusade, which is now mm. called Crew. Yeah. It'll forever be Campus Crusade to me, but um, through Crew when I first transferred to the University of Missouri. So when I was 19 was when I became a believer. Well, tell me that story. What happened? Oh, my. Okay. Well, for I, the first two years of college, I went to a junior college nearby, and I ended up meeting a guy, and there's all these things in my life were conspiring to get me to think about God and to think about more. I was feeling just, you know, I didn't feel adequate in this area and I, all these things, just the emptiness of the world kind of was filling me up. And I ended up, the things ended badly with the guy and um, was going to transfer anyway to Missouri for journalism. That was my degree. And so I wanted to, I ended up getting away, but when I knew when I was going to Missouri, I didn't know a soul in Missouri. So I was like, I'm going to have to start over. I'm going to have to come out of my shell and introduce myself to people. But I'd been burned by not only this guy, but some other bad friendships of, and feeling like everything was very materialistic around me, mm. living in Los Angeles, things like that. And so I just was like, all right, I remember that I had this on-campus job and I was talking to this girl there. I said, how, how can I meet nice people like Christians? <laughs> aren't they like supposed to be nice people? And she was like, um, okay, uh, well, cause she was a Christian. She's like, there's campus crusade for Christ. Have you ever heard of that? And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, why don't you go to the meeting? It was like, you know, on Thursday night, go in there. And so I came to the meeting and I walked in the door and there was, um, a young girl there who was a college student. And I said, she's like, oh, are you new? I said, yeah. Um, and she's like, oh, well, do you go to church? I go, no, I'm not a Christian, but I heard Christians are nice people. So I'm here. And she's <laughs> of course gave me this look like, okay. And so she kind of like put her arm around me and she ended up being the person who mentored me for the next three years. And she naturally is on staff. She and her husband have been on staff for a long, long time with crew. So that time in college for me was absolutely God creating a foundation in me of this is what it's like to love Christ, to follow him, to have a relationship with him. It was this pulling apart from um, the baggage that I'd had from family or whatever back in California and just learning what it meant to follow God in this very pure way. So that time in Missouri for me, it was, is very special to me. And that's, that's part of what solidified my faith, I think. And then moving back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it kind of, it sounds like you're your experience was you were sort of seeking God. Maybe you had mm -hmm. kind of this place where you were, you were unsatisfied with what you had experienced in the past and you just were like, Hey, Christians are nice people. I love that. That's, that's I know it sounds so silly now, but that's literally what I was thinking. I thought, well, okay, yeah. let's just start with nice people because these other people were not so nice. And so I'm ready for nice people. <laughs> well, they're, they're supposed to be nice people, but yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's a different story. That was, that was exactly. another interview. <laughs> well, okay. So I love that. And you, and you found a mentor in that, like, what's something that you, how, how did she go about kind of teaching? I call it teaching you the oh. way of Jesus, right? Like what, what'd she do? Oh my gosh. I will just, she, she transformed, of course, my life of what it meant to know Christ. But even to like today, she teaches me on the having patience and just two things, not being afraid to ask questions and, and to know that God is there and to just keep seeking God and, and, and believing in his truth. So I had a lot of questions and a lot of, well, why? And I don't understand. And what do you mean? And that kind of stuff. And she was, I would say, well, I don't know if I believe in that. And that just doesn't seem right. Why would God do this? You know, all of the big questions we have about faith, 
and she would, she would answer them. Or the next morning there would be this little pamphlet slipped underneath my dorm room door. And I'd be like, Oh gosh, Nikki, thanks Nikki. And my roommates would be like, what is that? I'm like, Oh, Nikki left me a little note here. And you know, but she was so faithful, so faithful to meet with me as a group with other girls that she had been just, you know, in a Bible study with to invite me into that world. And to also one-on-one answer my questions to say, to confront me on why it wasn't okay that I had a guy that I liked who was not so great and was not a Christian, why that was bad, why that wasn't Mm -hmm. a good choice for me and why it wasn't right that I went to the bar and, and was drinking and had this, you know, just different things. Like if you believe in Christ, it's not that there are certain rules you have to follow, but he creates a change in us and he transforms our perspective on what we want. And I those seeds were planted and that eventually, you know, yeah. ended up changing me. Not fully, of course, in that moment, because we're all on a journey, but um, she just, she was definitely gave me not just the the knowledge of like, because again, I didn't know any Bible stories. I didn't right. know any, I didn't know anything. And to so to kind of lead me in that, but to also more importantly, I think to lead me in this hunger to want to know God and to yeah. be with him, that it's a relationship. It's not just going to church. It really is knowing him every day and how to do that. Well, right. Walking with him. I hear you saying that she kind of stoked that desire for that relationship with yeah. the Lord. And friends, I don't want you to miss this. Um, just how uh, it was Nikki, right? It was, it was her mm-hmm. name. How yeah. faithful Nikki was and how that faithfulness yeah. transformed your life, right? Like, yes, don't underestimate. So I think sometimes I've been guilty of this. I underestimate those little things. I just think, oh, that's not going to matter. But right. you just never know what that little thing, like it's it's a little cheesy to slip a pamphlet to somebody, right? Yeah, and she did it over and over and over. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> she did. But what she was doing is keeping a conversation going in your head, right? Yes. To, to help yeah, and eventually I had the opportunity to see her about um, 10 years after that. And to just, I mean, again, to be like, I, I will never stop thanking God for her ever. Mm. And to tell her again in person, like, you have no idea what you did for me, no idea how you changed my life. And of course she was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, whatever. And I'm sure she, right. looking back, you know, she probably was like, well, I didn't do this right. Or I didn't do that. Right. But I remember she said of all the people, I never would have expected you to be the one like now that shares about these things and, and talks about it and has a strong faith. Like, you know, you just never know those seeds yeah. that God encourages us to, to plant in other people or to share. You never know. And we have to trust God with that and be faithful. Yes. Okay. Friends, be faithful with the little things that you think God has asked you to do, even if they're a right. little cheesy. Um, you just include a pamphlet. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's okay. It's all right. I, I may judge you silently from the sidelines, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay because you never know how God will use it. And I do hear those stories all the time yeah. about people who just, they just did the thing that God asked them to do mm-hmm. and he uses it. And you know what? That's all you can ask. That's all you, all we want. And sometimes you don't even know. I got a great Mm-mm. story about that. I'll tell you later. All right. So, um, the, I love that. So that kind of shaped you. And then it sounds like you ended up returning back to, yeah. to California. So what was, how did that kind of change? Cause you may be leaving your community and you're gonna, gonna have a different experience, I'm guessing. Yeah. It was very strange to return to your hometown and to not 
to not be the person that you were not to, you know, at that point I had been a Christian for a good six years and I was like, this is who I am. This is not just a religion I follow. This is who I am. And so to go back into my parents' house and to be in a different culture, see it from a different perspective of this mm. is I'm transformed. I'm yep. different. And I don't even, I mean, I didn't even have a church. It was weird to be again in your hometown and to not have a church. So that's actually part of the story of how I met my husband was, um, I was really pretty desperate to find some friends, just literally Christian friends back in this, this hometown. Um, after God had called me back home and my plan wasn't to live with my parents forever, but this was like, okay, well, I gotta have a place to land. Here's where I'm at. We'll see where God takes me. And so there was a church that I'd seen, um, and I was like, okay, well, let's check this one out. I went on a Sunday morning and I went, it was an eight o'clock service. And it was this, and the reason why I know this is it was the Sunday of the, the first Sunday of the year 2000. So it was, you know, kind of a, a new century. It's a big thing. And here I was back in this new part of my life, but in this old, my old self, and, you know, all these things were colliding. I went to this church service and it was so depressing. It was so awful that I literally, this is the only time I've ever done this. I got up in the middle of the service and I left oh, wow. because I was so mad. I was like, this is my Sunday and I need to get plugged in. I need to meet people. I need to grow in you, God. Like I was mad people. Literally there was a guy in front of me who was snoring. I mean, that's how bad it was. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm out of here. Like I got to go. And so I just jumped in the car and I was driving and just like started driving. I didn't even know where I was going. And the next thing I know, I was on this one road in our town and it, there was a Calvary chapel there and it was nine o'clock and they're like, you know, service was starting at nine o'clock. And I was like, well, okay, whatever. I don't know. It's nine o'clock. We'll just go there. You know, what, what can I lose at this point? And that, um, I walked in and there was again, another lady at the door. Oh, I have this thing with women at the door changing my life, but, um, she, her name was Rachel. <laughs> And she was like, oh, are you new here? And I'm like, again, I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, and she's like, oh, well, you know, you must meet Timothy. And Timothy is, you know, also your age. And she was just, again, like from the beginning, she was like, oh, hey, new person, you know? And she, Timothy ended up being the person that is now my husband. Oh, wow. But that was the morning I met my husband. And it wasn't like, love at first sight. It was like, okay, I so don't want to do this. I just got out of a relationship, blah, 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 blah. But that was the morning that I began to get connected and I began to begin this whole new life, which eventually obviously led to us dating and, and all of those things. But it was, it was a journey to rediscover who I was going to be in this place that had been so familiar to me. So that was, that was definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I love that sort of cringy. Oh, you're new. I love that. Oh gosh. It's the worst. And especially when, you know, she's an older lady and she was like, she's definitely the matchmaker matchmaker. Like why, you know, why don't you, and she has an accent. She's like, why don't you like Timothy? Why don't you like him? You know? And it was just like, oh my gosh. You know? so- <laughs> uh, but it worked out. That's good. It totally worked out. Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. So that sounds like it was, I, I'm really interested in the piece about uh, trying to find you know, your a new identity in a place that you already mm. had an identity and then trying mm-hmm. to find like, okay, I'm a new person now. What does yeah. that mean? So what, what did that end up looking mm. like for you besides finding a church? What, what was that? I think I, I really just, 
I, I started a new, a new version of me, I guess, in that old town place. I knew I didn't want to stay in that town forever. It just did no longer felt like a fit to me because of a lot of the different experiences I'd had there. A lot of the people, a lot of the mentality that I didn't want to necessarily keep living in. And so when we decided that, you know, God made it clear we were going to be married, we both did not want to stay there. And it was like, God had given us somewhere else. We wanted to be closer to the ocean. And, um, I ended up getting a job in San Diego. And so that was, that ended up working out down there. So when we moved to San Diego, that's really when I felt like, okay, now I can fully be me and decide, you know, who do I want to be? And we very quickly ended up having our first son. And so that's when that whole side of me in that area started mm -hmm. developing. Um, I'm a mom and I'm a wife and oh my gosh, like this, all those new roles and the surrender that happens when you have a baby that's up all night and you're like, what, nobody told me about this. And <laughs> you know, all of that stuff that's uh, really challenges, not just your physical stamina, but your identity about who you are, who you want to be. And your faith and, you know, God, how could you let that happen? Or why did you let this happen? All those things start to collide as you're wrestling through a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's when the, I would say the, the living out of that new me really began was after, after the marriage and starting to become a mom and growing in that season. Yeah. That's a really formational time anyway, right? Cause mm -hmm. you're, you're figuring out who am I as, as this person in relationship and even with your kids, right? You've got to, that's kind of an interesting relationship when they're dependent on you like that. Yes. Yes. Um, okay. So how, how did you continue? I'm curious about how you developed and if there were any other significant, um, uh, like milestones with the Lord, like if, if mm. you know, where he was kind of leading you, you know, how, how did he do that? And where did that, you know, connect those yeah. gaps maybe up until you start your own thing? Yeah. So that, you know, at that moment, I would not have called it anything, a significant event, but looking back, I know now that what was driving me at that time was still that old self of, I have to accomplish, I have to perform, I have to be liked, and I have to do in order to be worthy. And even though I knew that the church answer, right, that God loves me, I am enough, all those things that we hear, it was not resonating in me. And so I had some challenges in parenting because it was like, well, if I'm a good parent, then my child should act like this. <laughs> if I'm a good mom, then I shouldn't have to worry about these issues in my life or just different things like that. Like, why is this a problem? Um, and also I should be able to figure out a way all the shoulds, right? I should be able to figure yeah. out a way to get everything done that I need to get done. Why can't I? And so there was all of this, this, this over-functioning that started happening for me, compensating in order to feel, to do all the things that I felt like I needed to get done, which of course never did. There's still that list, but that led me to not taking care of myself at all. I don't think I'd ever really learned self-care to begin mm. with. Like, I, I mean, yeah. How many of us do, right? Yeah. No, it wasn't modeled for me growing up for sure. And uh, so that was definitely not there, but I got to a point where, I mean, just, and it started when my, my kids were really, really little was I was sleeping for about four hours a night. And I mean, that's not, that's not an exaggeration. That's what it was. I just did. And I worked myself all day, all night. 
I did a few little things here and there. Uh, I had worked for a Christian magazine at that point. And so I was able to, after my first son and then the second son, I was able to work from home and do manage a section versus being managing editor so that I had some responsibilities in that. But then eventually it was like, who am I now that I am once I had to let all that go and realize I couldn't do that and have a toddler and a baby at the same time, it just wasn't working and work. Uh, who am I, you know, who do I want to be? And, um, I kind of got stuck in that cycle of, I have to perform, I have to do this. And so there was several other little things that I took part in. Um, and really it, it ended up that even up until probably like four or five years ago, working online and I was writing about homeschooling, I was writing about parenting, just different things. All these things I realized I was doing them and I, I really felt God did call me to do them, but there was still that motivation there of I'm doing it as part of what's really making me feel good about myself. Right. Versus, and that is a hole that's never going to be filled. And what, how God finally had to teach me about that was to take me through this massive health crisis. Mm -hmm. That was four years ago that um, nearly took my life. That was what finally had to wake me up. I had people telling me, you can't live like this. This is too much. You can't take all this on, but it was like, no, 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 I can. It was almost mm -hmm. this weird pride thing. And yet that was that point where God literally, um, had all of that happen to me and everything was stripped away and I could not do anything but lay on my back for eight months and, you know, nothing, I couldn't do anything. My, there was, I was having mini strokes and all these horrible things. And so then it was like, are you going to listen to me? Are you going to finally create a space for your life where you are taking care of yourself the way you need to? And when I went through that, it was like, well, what does that really mean? Why am I continuing to stay on this path? And that was when the mindset stuff started to really come because it was like, you're doing this. Something's fueling you to keep going like this. You know, it, you're, it, there's something happening underneath on these really deep levels. And so that's when I started getting into uh, brain science and um, became a neuro coach and learned about that because that's the motivation for our actions, are our thoughts. And wow. when I began working through that and clearing that up, that was when I was like, oh my word, this is amazing stuff. This is the stuff that we are taught to do with renewing our mind but no one ever yes. has, gives us the tools on what that looks like. You know, right. no one really says, how do you do that? Well, that's great. All right. You know, I want to, but Lord help me. And so, um, that's, that's become my passion is helping women understand and men, but helping them understand how can we really live out Romans 12 too, that says to renew our minds, how can we do that? And how can we use what we know about the brain to, to make that happen? Yeah. So that's kind of how I got to that point of, well, uh, being interested in mindset. I love the integration of all those things. I often say as evangelicals, we have two spiritual disciplines, read the Bible and pray, but nobody will teach you how to do either one, right? Yeah. We'll just tell you to do yeah. them or we'll, we'll show up and expect that you know how to do it. Um, right. But it's just, the same is true with any discipline and any like renewing your mind and, and all of that, or, you know, I didn't know what silence was until I was in seminary. <laughs> I had to go. So those <laughs> yeah. kind of things are, are, are a problem. Um, so, I'm also really fascinated by the idea that it was a sort of a, a belief and uh, the kind mm -hmm. of just drive that you had mm -hmm. to do more and more and more. And you kind of had to do that. And then it was a physical mm. breakdown that, yes. that kind of had to change that for you and, and broke mm -hmm. that belief and made you take on some new ones. Tell us that story and tell us, uh, you mm. know, as much deal as you want, but that's, um, yeah. tell us what happened. 
Yes. All right. So I was doing all the things, managing all the stuff. Uh, we were just about to go on a missions trip. Uh, obviously we live close to the border and our church had been doing this trip for like 30 years. This was our third year of going. It was me and uh, three of our children. And I was to be leading a Bible study down in Mexico at we at a couple different churches that we were going to be serving at. And so we were just prepping for all of that. And it was about a week before and I started getting headaches and I didn't understand why I was getting headaches. I didn't typically get headaches, but I'm like, whatever, take an aspirin, keep moving. Like whatever, Alicia, it doesn't matter. You know, that was what I was telling myself. So I did, we got down to Mexico and it's just the headaches kept getting worse. They would not go away. Nothing that I could take or do was relieving it. And I was losing essential oils and I was taking, you know, ibuprofen. And at that point I was like anything, anyone could even give me. And I, I don't like to take medicine, but I was like, this is excruciating. Um, I had ice on my head, all these things. And, uh, when it was the second night we were there, we were at a camp that there was a lot of other churches and, and youth that would come down and stay at this, this camp owned by Azusa Pacific at that time. So we would all stay there, but we were camping like in tents and I was in an RV but I remember in the middle of the night, I could not sleep. I was in so much pain. God just said, you know, get up, go outside. Right. So I went outside and I was just sitting in this, in the silence of everything and in the cool air. And he's very clearly said, you need to go home and you need to go home now. And I was like, oh, are you, no, no. Like, how am I supposed to do that? I'm supposed to be leading this Bible study. I have three children down here. One of them is she's nine. Like she's, this is her first experience down here. How can I just leave them? And he's like, you need to go and you need to go right now. And so I was like, okay. So I woke, I didn't wake up the leaders then, but the first thing in the morning, I went to the leader and I just told him what was going on. And of course he was like, oh, absolutely. You know, we concerned about your health first, of course. So he, we had somebody else drive me to the border. My husband met me on the other side and it was a Saturday. So we're like, all right, you're having headaches. Like, I guess you go to the ER. Like, I don't even know. What do you do right on a yeah. Saturday with a headache? So we drove up to our local ER and, um, they did a CT scan. And I remember the doctor came in with this, this look on his face. He said, you have a vertebral artery dissection, which means that right now the artery that runs in the back of your neck is, um, if, a, if an aneurysm is the artery exploding out, yours is collapsed in mm. and it's pulled away. The inner lining is pulled away from the outer lining of your vein. And it's severely restricted the blood flow. You have blood clots that are forming and you are at a very high risk for a stroke. We are immediately transferring you to UCSD, the, um, neurological ICU down there, because we can't even handle the level of care that you're at. And you need to go right. Like we're calling the ambulance right now for you. And it was like, wait, what I'm, I'm healthy. I work out. I eat all the right foods. What are you, what are you talking about? Why would this even happen to me? And they're like, we don't know why, but we need to get you there right now. And so that began a lovely journey of like, CT scans and, 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 and I actually did have several, we can't call them strokes because praise the Lord. I never had any damage from them, but mm -hmm. little incidences of that. Um, it was, it was just this crazy experience of, oh my gosh, what in the world and why, I mean, what is going on? And the doctors, none of them can understand why a healthy 40 something year old woman was like, 
experiencing these, these symptoms. They're like, cause I'd been in Mexico. They kept saying, well, you know, were you doing bungee jumping in Mexico? I'm like, I was a mom. I, I'm on a missions trip. Like I wasn't doing anything like, like this was not extreme sports. I kept saying, well, do you do extreme sports? I'm like, no, because the injury that I had was akin to someone who had done some sort of neck injury or like in an accident or extreme sports. And so, um, anyway, I ended up coming back home and a week later, the other side had oh, wow. another dice, had a dissection. So that one was actually bigger and longer. And I felt that one, I felt the tear actually happen. That was mm. terrifying because I felt it happen. And I immediately felt all the sensations of the tingling and the whoosh in my head. And oh my gosh, like my side of my face started shaking and all that stuff. And it was like, all right, call the ambulance. So I went back to the hospital, same thing, was in the hospital again another week. Um, so after all of that happened, they were like, we don't really understand why this is happening to you. And by the way, there's nothing we can really do for you because you know, you're young. We don't want to put anything in your artery to open you up because then you have to keep having that replaced. So pretty much you just need to go home and rest. It was like, um, and by the way, you know, this could happen at any time. We don't know why it caused it and it can happen at any time. Right. So we were like, awesome. So I was on high blood thinners and I, I had, I mean, if the headaches were bad before they were extremely bad afterwards, were just excruciating and couldn't even sit up. I couldn't put my head down. I couldn't do anything for like eight months. I could not do anything, but lay in my bed. And so for the Lord to take somebody who had built her entire world around being, doing, uh, accomplishing and to have her completely physically laid out in bed for eight months, have to have everybody homeschool her kids for her, take her kids to all their practices, make all the food for her family, put all her writing and ministry work online aside. Everything had to be canceled. And did you just, you're just sitting there in pain with the Lord. I mean, it's like, okay, God, I, you have my attention. And he just very clearly said, this is caused by you, my darling daughter, you caused this by your inability to choose to listen to me, to take care of yourself. And so you have an opportunity now to choose something different. I want to give you a different way and I want to help you rebuild your life. So the first thing of course, was the physical getting myself physically back to a place where I could, I could sit up, right. I could, I could do what I needed to do. And then it was all right. Now we're going to add in the rhythm of spending time with God every day. And I had had that pretty faithfully, probably three to four times a week, I was able to do that, but it was like, no, this is a rhythm that is, this is who you are. You, you don't mess with like, we're creating this. So I was like, okay. So then that took, you know, we added that rhythm in and then it was, all right, we're going to add in the physical exercise. Of course, it was much modified back then versus what is able to be now, but it had to be something. So he slowly helped me rebuild my life. And then there was this point where I really felt God was saying, okay, so now we can really look at why you got there and what made you choose to be in a a place where you're continually working and doing and being and all those things. And it was, what do you, what do you believe about who you are inside? And and how was that fueling that? And that was that question. And again, like I said, that was, that has been a really challenging journey to discover what is that? And, and, and painful, like, how can I believe in my head, these things that God has said, but not in my heart. And so he's just had to slowly dismantle all of that. 
And that's the work that I get to do now with women is helping them understand what are those subconscious patterns that are there and help them know that it's, it's, if our brain has created that in the subconscious mind, then that's a normal part of our functioning. It's a normal part of how our brain repeats the same thing and, and creates these patterns. And there are things we can do like brain priming to be able to remove those patterns and to create something that is there that honors God and that's in line with the truth. So that's the work that I get to do um, through coaching, through the Christian Mindset Makeover, all the other areas that I do that, podcast, things like that. Um, and I'm really passionate about that because again, I feel like if I had not had that as a foundation moving forward, it would have been really easy for me to just go back to, all right, I mean, you can, I feel like you can create rhythms for self-care, but if you don't understand the reasons why you didn't have self-care or why you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to just go back to the way you were eventually. Right. So yeah. So for me, um, that started this whole journey of uh, understanding my motivations for why I do what I do. Yeah. Which is such a powerful thing. You know, for many of us, the, the dark night of the soul, which I don't know if that mm. quote, if you would call it that, but it's, it's absolutely a, a stripping of the identities that we had yeah. um, that God takes away. In your case, it's kind of dramatic and like literal, like you just had to lay there and not mm. do any of the, those things. Um, and for some of you friends, it's not like that. It's, it's, it's spiritual or it's emotional yeah. or whatever. And you, you go through it. It's okay. It's going to look different for everybody, but what God's doing is the same. He's taking away those things, identities we've taken on because yes. we think we have to. And he's right. revealing and giving us the new identity that he wants us to be. And I'm convinced that that is an essential process to spiritual maturity, right? To grow Amen. In, to yeah. be who we are. So give us an example or two. It could be from your story. It could be from things that you see as you work with people of the things that people believe and then how you mm. help them address some of those things. Mm. So the things that we believe, there's so many things that we believe. Uh, some of those, th okay, so let's just say this. Some things that we believe are a natural biological process of how our brain was created and how God designed our brain to function. So we deal with fear, we deal with anxiety, and those aren't necessarily bad things. They're actually part of our brain's functioning and able to keep us alive. There's a part of our brain called the amygdala, and that is the fight or flight area. And it's a good thing that we have an amygdala that is going to respond when there is a threat because the brain's number one job is to keep us safe. It's to keep every other part of us functioning and it's going to protect us. The problem is, of course, that when that goes into overdrive, we have all kinds of issues that present themselves that aren't really happening, but in our mind they're happening. And so I think one of the, the greatest things that we have to learn is how to distinguish between what's really going on in us, what's really truly a fear that we need to be aware of, like a protective kind of, like you need to be aware of this, this is not good for you. And what is something that we may be trying to placate ourselves from or, or run away from. Um, there's some different ways that we deal with any kind of trauma. There's four different main, there's actually six, but there's four big main types. So there's the fight, the flight, the freeze is another one and mm -hmm. fawn. So fight or flight, we're pretty much aware of what those are. Freeze is the response of just not being able to do anything. And this is a lot of times we see this with people who don't know, 
aren't able to make decisions or they might be stuck in these repetitive patterns of just trying to always do it right before they can step out into the next thing. Mm -hmm. The fawn one is um, appeasing other people to people pleasing to the extreme is really a great way to describe it. So you're doing things always just to keep the peace, just to make everybody happy, just keep making sure that you're liked by them, you know, that calm, that kind of feeling. And these are all responses again to trauma in us that are real to that amygdala, but are they, instead of us dealing with it head on and really understanding why it's there, we're beginning to rewire it with the truth. We have these coping mechanisms. Uh, the, the, for me, a big one was perfectionism, which is a flight response mm -hmm. to trauma. So you don't think of that as that, but really it is overworking and um, being a workaholic that's running and protecting and keeping ourselves safe from those painful things that we're feeling that we don't want to deal with. That's what that is. And wow. When I started learning about that kind of stuff, it was like, okay, it's really, it's a part of my, of our anatomy to keep ourselves safe like that. But we have been given the gift as humans to have not just a brain that works like that, but a mind. We have a mind that monitors our brain. We have a mind that says, I can choose what to think about. I can choose to focus on certain things. And so it's learning how to cultivate a mind that notices what's going on and to be able to let that mind be influenced by God's word and the Holy Spirit to cultivate a Holy Spirit-centered mindset to remove those things that are not of God and to stay um, in that that positive kind of world, you know? So anyway, lots of things we could talk about, but I think the biggest responses to trauma, which we all have, whether it's a true capital T trauma or a little T trauma, as they yeah. call it in counseling, um, we all have them and we all have these different coping mechanisms that our body is naturally doing, but what are, are we going to choose to let that be in control? Or are we going to say, I'm going to use my mind to decide how I want to respond? Yeah. And learning to do that um, and create that little, even if it's just a few seconds, sometimes if you can give yeah. yourself five or 10 seconds to just, okay, feel the, the quick rush of emotion. I don't know if that's like a hormone or a, like, you know, adrenaline or whatever it is that makes you could be. Yeah. Right. Depending on what it is. And yeah. Then, and then if you can give that just a few seconds to like subside and then think about what you're going to respond, I found that really helpful. I'm not still yes. very good at it, but that's, a, but that's, yeah. what, but still, <laughs> if I, if I can do it, that just creates that little bit of space that allows you to actually respond thoughtfully rather than respond whatever in that. Yes. That, that and and here's what's happening from a brain science perspective when you're doing that is you originally, our uh, brain is is wired to respond from that subconscious mind, that survival mind first as a way to keep us safe. Right. And then the prefrontal cortex, which is the top part of our brain here, the logic center, it usually is a little more delayed in responding. So that's why if we can take a second and let some of that um, emotion sit there for a second and not ignore the emotion because we still need to, to think about it and process it. But right. then the prefrontal cortex can come in and kind of help us manage and quell that. And so what's interesting about that in relationship to like teenagers is <laughs> the prefrontal <laughs> cortex doesn't completely form and uh, develop until we're in our mid twenties. And so when you have teens dealing with hormones and you have the, uh, the, that subconscious survival mind and things like the amygdala working, 
and you don't have the balance of the prefrontal cortex to tell it to calm down, to think about things, you know, you can see why we have issues as teens and why we get in trouble because we don't have that balance. And then also a big thing in our culture that keeps us from being able to, to tap into that wisdom of, of having the balance of both is that concept of halt, the hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Mm -hmm part of ourselves. So when we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, or any of those as a combination, we are more apt to live in that survival mind. Our prefrontal cortex, they've shown, it just kind of shuts off because we're like, I need to eat. I need somebody to talk to. I'm tired, all those things. And you know that, like we get in these places where like, all of a sudden I'm eating like a whole bag of ho-hos and, and <laughs> wait, whoa, what happened? And then it's like, that's, it's literally a brain thing that happens. And we wake up out of it. And we're like, wait, why did I do that? Well, it was just a reaction because we'd gotten to that point. So anyway, so fascinating yeah. about how that works that we, you know, is some of it is, is, um, just a biology, but some of it is our responsibility too, that we get to yeah. partner with God and learning how to manage it. Well, I love that, especially the phrase partner with God. Cause I think our whole life is like that. That's what it means to walk yes. with God is to partner with God, to create your life. Um, what, so I'm, and I'm also constantly, amazed at how this is again, stuff that I never got taught. Right. Cause I don't think, you know, and I get it. If you're a pastor, you go to school to study theology. You don't go to school to study neurology. That's not your thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yet understanding the human person is so deeply important if you're in that yes. kind of a role where you're dealing with people. Uh, so how, like, how do you go about in your practice helping people integrate both their, the, spiritual aspect and the, and the kind of science aspect of it? Yeah, that's a great question because there is not that bridge that we're ever taught. And to be fair, the, the knowledge that we have about neuroscience is relatively new. I mean, up right. until about 20, 30 years ago, we pretty much thought the brain that we were given and the place that it was in was the way it was and told the technological advances have allowed us to really understand what's going on in our minds. So for the longest time, we believed that was, we, we were who we were, but we now know that the brain is plastic, so to speak, meaning it has brain plasticity so that our brain is every single moment being shaped by the thoughts that we have. And that every morning we're giving new baby neurons to start over. And I always think of the verse in Lamentations when I hear that fact, because I think God gives us new mercies every single morning. He gives us new mercies every moment to choose him and to mm -hmm. reformulate what goes on in our mind. So I like to help women. Uh, I lead them in the Christian mindset makeover course. I lead them through what's called the, I call the thought transformation method where we're understanding what is really the first part of the course is understanding what is in our minds, what is there now, what are the core soundtracks that we've allowed to develop? And we're not looking at them from a, a way of shaming ourselves, which is a really, really important fact, because a lot of us will say, well, I know better. And I know I should believe this. And that's not helpful, but we're looking at it from a, a loving perspective, how God looks at it. Like this is here. And it's okay because there's hope and we're going to learn how to work through it. So we go through several exercises of understanding um, our, our responsibility and how we got there because sometimes we create these own patterns in ourselves by letting them continue or we, we, we just do all kinds of our own stuff to get there. And then some things happen to us that are completely out of our responsibility, but we get to clean up the mess and deal with it. We still have it in us. That, like we said, the traumas sometimes are, are not caused by us, but they're still there. And so mm. walking through understanding all of that 
that's there. And then getting to a place of understanding what are those in terms of identity, which is what we mainly focus on. What are the three main questions that our brain is answering on a subconscious level? And it answers between the ages of nine to 13. That is, am I enough? Am I loved? And am I worthy? And how have those questions been answered in our mind? Not what we think the right answer is, but how do we see them answered? So for me, worth was achieving, being good enough, working hard enough, being seen that I was liked by other people. That was how worth had been answered in my subconscious mind. So when that was happening, I was feeling okay. When it wasn't, and like in parenting, when I couldn't control it, it was like, ah, wait, what? You know, and so uh, understanding what that is. And then um, we create something called a brain priming. And so brain priming is um, a neurological process of literally pruning away in the subconscious mind, the old thoughts that are there that, because it's like a soundtrack that the subconscious mind is playing. When you think about a certain thought or something, it triggers this whole response. So learning how to prune those away and to create a new neural highway with the thought that we want that's in line with God's word. So there's a process of doing that. It's a 67 day process of adding that new thought in. And again, it's based on brain science. It's based on how, and how we get that in there. So we, we teach them how to do that and they begin their process of doing that. And then we work on the other side of it. Well, how do we deal with in the moment emotions? How do we deal with difficulties of uh, having a rough day? How do we set ourselves up for success by putting boundaries up to protect us from toxic people, from um, keeping ourselves nourished so that we're not hungry, angry, lonely, tired, trying to address these issues. And uh, what can we do to to live in the moment and to even use brain science to to bring in and, and enjoy the good that is around us. So there's, there's all these things that we work on both sides, the offensive and defensive strategies to, to rework our mind. And, um, I think it's important to know both. I think it's, if the, if brain science has talked about a lot of times, it's just like, well, just think positive thoughts, mm, affirmations and thinking positive thoughts really can be somewhat helpful, but the core soundtrack, if that core soundtrack is telling you something completely different, you can th- think all kinds of positive thoughts all day. If it's not addressing that you're going to be stuck you're going to be staying in the same place. And so that's why it's, it's powerful to be able to, to get rid of it, but then to also have the ability through the Holy spirit to cultivate the, the, the gift of uh, a mind that's focused on Christ. So like once that's being reformulated, then we really can be freed up to focus more on the good and what God is doing. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a process of learning that, but it's, it's awesome to see the transformation because it's like, I mean, you talk about lives changing, relationships changing, people changing. And so often it's happening without them even realizing it. They're just, they're like, they get put back in that same situation and they're like, wow. Like uh, I have a, I had a client who was dealing with anger, especially anger at her kids. And as we were working together and we first started working together, I thought, well, we're not going to really talk about how to deal with anger with your kids. But I thought, okay, this is interesting. Cause I'm pretty sure I think if we work on some of these other things that will free up and sure enough she found herself in situations. And eventually now I still speak to her. She's like, it's like night and day. She's the problem was she was not able to be compassionate and caring to herself and all these things that she'd gone through. And so when she began to develop that and her, like it freed her up to have more grace and to be able to respond differently all these things. So it's just awesome. It's awesome to see the changes that can happen and how we really can be so much more the person that God has called us to be when we're freed up in our mind in these deep places and able to do what he wants us to do. I just love all that. Okay, friends, what if your discipleship is furthered by fixing not just your beliefs, but like your internal kind of default beliefs about who you are? I think there's this whole thing 
makes me so mad every time I hear in church or Christians talking about how bad the self is. That's rubbish. Mm -hmm. Just throw that out. You have a self. Jesus had a self. It's not bad to have a self, but you have to understand yourself. You have to love yourself, care for yourself, because God loves and cares for you as well. If for no other reason, I'm sure there's lots of other reasons we could say, but that's that's yeah. the main one. And, Absolutely. And it's okay to to get into those things, and that's actually a huge piece of the spiritual journey. So mm-hmm. if you if this resonates with you, I'm sure Alicia, where can people find you? And where where can they? you know, go, Hey, that's something I need. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to help you further along in that journey. There's a couple places you can find most of it at vibrantchristianliving.com. That's the hub for all of those things. Um, you can start at the podcast vibrant Christian living podcast. You can find that on any podcast players or on the site itself. And then we have some free resources on the site on how to begin to manage your thoughts, how to begin to learn what's in there, managing the inner critic, managing things like comparison that tend to come up or perfectionism. How do we deal with that? What is, what does that really look like? Um, and then of course the Christian mindset makeover, uh, you can either get on the wait list, depending on when this episode will be coming out, or you can join us live for that. We will be reopening that up in about a month or so. So, um, those are some, that's a great way. That's a nine week course that leads you through the thought transformation method, which is what I was explaining earlier. And, uh, you have an opportunity to go through that material at your own speed and your own pace, but you also have the live interaction for me. So I can help you work through your brain priming and help you work through your unique things that are coming up. And so, you know, okay, how do I know for sure that this is the soundtrack that I've been listening to that I need to reprogram, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, I would love to connect with you further at vibrantchristianliving.com. That'd be awesome. Perfect. Friends, if any of that resonated with you, go check it out. And you're in the podcast app right now, your favorite, probably just flip over there and, uh, find, Alicia's podcast, Vibrant Christian Living Podcast. Yeah, so you. you can find it there. Um, and yeah, that'll get you get you started. Alicia, I appreciate all this. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your story with us. It's really fascinating. And is there anything you want to leave us with? Um, no, thank you for the opportunity to share it. I would just say that really getting to the life that we want, cultivating this heart that runs after God and living truly into the dreams he has for us, it really does start with understanding our motivations and our thoughts. And so I would encourage anyone listening to just begin that process of noticing what's in there. Noticing is the first step. Just what am I, what am I thinking about? And do I really believe the things that I'm supposed to believe as a Christian? And if not, why? And what could be causing that? Not from a yelling at myself kind of standpoint, but just a curiosity and begin to start there and let the Holy Spirit lead you. Yeah, it's not doubting your faith, it's growth, right? That's, that's the way to go. Love it, Alicia. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you.